God, then there's an authority and a power that rises up on the inside of you. All of a sudden, you're not a whisperer no more. Uh, come on. You're not a victim anymore. Come on. You become victorious. Glory to God. And you become you become strong. You become mighty. And you don't walk this earth timid, but you walk this earth with the authority and power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, somebody. Look, I know this is Sunday morning. I know this is just the first service. But with my eyes, I'm not waiting till Friday night to get mine. I decide I'm going to get mine this morning. Come on, amen. So, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here this morning. And hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we just thank you, Father, for your word this morning. And uh, we're going to get into the word this morning. And as I was praying this morning and meditating on the word, uh, the Holy Ghost began to shift some things. I thought I was going to go in one direction. And actually, it started last yesterday afternoon. And uh, I just felt like I just needed to ride off and ride around. In the countryside, I just begin to ride around, just pray and meditate, and uh, the Holy Spirit began to shift some things in my spirit because I didn't just come here to bring you a message. I came here to bring you a word from heaven. Yes. Because one word from heaven is going to change your life forever. Yes. Amen. 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 And so uh, it actually stemmed off. There was a prophecy given in 1939. By Smith Wigglesworth. How many know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Alright, that's that's about half of you. That's okay. I'll explain just real quickly. Smith Wigglesworth was a man that came out of the turn of the century uh, of the late 1800s going into the early 1900s. And uh, a very uh, amazing man of God. Matter of fact, there are, uh, I, I'm trying to think, is there, I think there's 26 documented people that died. And they brought them and they, and they resurrected from the dead. Documented. I mean, they were, I mean, the hospitals had to document that they were dead and then they rose up again so they had papers. And so this came out of his ministry because, and the reason why, because he wasn't a quiet man when it came to the things of God. When he was just out walking around, he was very quiet. But when it came to time to take care of Holy Ghost business, there was a boldness that would rise up in him. Come on. They, you know, as a matter of fact, the world called him a, holy, a, a Jesus bully. And that's okay. I don't mind being a Jesus bully. Huh? When I'm talking about that, that means I don't let the enemy take advantage of me. Oh, come on now. I'm a Holy Ghost bully, so I don't allow the devil to take advantage of me. I actually turn the tables and take advantage of him. Amen. Amen. And so in 1939, uh, World War II was breaking out, and uh, Lester Sumrall, uh, was over there who was actually a good friend of ours. And uh, he was over there. He was just a young man. And he was over there. And him and Smith Wigglesworth uh, became very good friends. Yes. But Lester went over there to his house. And, and his, you know, his, and I've actually been to the house. And I stood where Lester stood when he was talking. I wish they went inside the house. Which there's only a couple people that I know in this world has ever been inside the house. Because it's been taken over by Muslims. And it was just supernatural. They actually invited me in the house. And uh, so I'm standing there. So Because I've, I've studied behind Smith Wigglesworth. And I heard the stories of Lester tell about Smith. And so all these things become real to me. As I'm standing there. And so Lester said as he walked into the house. And if you walk into this house. You look to the right. And that's where the kitchen is. The dining room. It's just an open floor plan to your right. And you can see with the couch. The area where he would sit. And the kitchen table. And Smith Wigglesworth always sat at the table. 
That's just one of his favorite places to sit, was at the kitchen table. He did his studying at the kitchen table, and, they, and, his, and his daughter said that's where he liked to sit. So anyway, Lester's showing up, and he's going to say his goodbyes because Lester's got to get on a boat, and he's got to come to the United States and get away from the war. And uh, so as he walks in the door, and he becomes, goes in to say his goodbye to Lester, I mean to Smith Wigglesworth, Smith begins to cry. And he just begins to pray. And as he's praying, all of a sudden he begins to pray in the Holy Ghost. And with tears streaming down his face, he begins to prophesy. And he begins to say, I see. He says, I see. And Lester says, Smith, what do you see? He says, I see after World War II, there's going to be a great healing revival that's going to take place. He said, there's just going to be a, a move of healing anointing that God's going to anoint men and women to be to, to usher in this great healing. And then after the war, we know that because that's what Roberts came on the scene and and A.A. Allen came on the scene and the big tent, healing tent revivals that came on. And we saw that. And so he was telling them, he said, this is what I see. And then he goes back to praying in the Holy Ghost again. And all of a sudden he says, I see another revival breaking out after that. And it's, it's the charismatic, he said, I want to see people being baptized. We're going to see this move of people being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and people are going to be get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're going to begin to talk in tongues. And like never before. And, and we saw that in the late 60s going into the <coughs> 70s. And they called it the charismatic movement. Where it was just so easy. And you had revivals going on all the time. For instance, if you had church, church of God had a revival. When they got done, another church in Egypt would have another revival. And they would stack them because the preachers would go from one church to the other. And people would flock to the churches. And they would see the move of God. And the glory of God would go in. And, and I remember as a young boy going to these revivals and, and these meetings. And seeing the glory of God. And, and literally seeing the, the Holy Ghost cloud in the, in the mist coming in. And people were getting born again. And people getting set free, and immediately they begin to just speak in tongues. And when people come in, they didn't, you didn't have to wait 30, 45 minutes to stir the people up. When they came in, the moment they came into place, they begin to just pray. And that's where intercessors begin to rise up out of that movement. And, and things begin to change, and things were happening, and we would begin to see the supernatural move of God. And then Smith began to pray in the Holy Ghost even more. And he began to pray some more. And, and tears still streaming down his face. And he said, then I see a third movement. And he said, I see uh, the auditoriums and big auditoriums being filled with people. And they're flocking in with their notebooks. And, you know, and, and they're coming in with their notebooks. And they're sitting down. And, and people are, and men of God and women of God are teaching them on faith. And we begin to see that in the 80s and in the 90s. And we called it the, move, the Word of Faith Movement. Where Brother Hagen really became on the scene and Copeland came on the scene and Joseph Myers came on the scene and, and different ministers came on teaching faith. And people would fill the coliseums up and they would fill auditoriums up and they bring and they just write the notes and they were hungry for word. And then all of a sudden he says, and I did begin to see, he said, I see it, I see it again and I see the greatest, he said, I see another move which is going to be the greatest move this world has ever seen. He said there's going to be an outpouring. In the last day, he said there's going to be this movement. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm releasing that into this earth in 2023. He said it's going to be a, a move like the world has never seen where, where 
healing is going to take place and, 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 and the, the Spirit of God is going to move and, and I'm bringing back to the church's tongues and interpretations. He said they're going to rise up again out of the faith movement and there's going to be a law and then there's going to be this great movement. We saw the law and COVID caused the law. And it was the enemies trying to stop the move of God and trying to stop this great revival. But I got news for you. He has no authority over what God has already put into place. He's already put this in place. He's already spoken. And you know, every time God speaks, it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, he said, I see this great move. He said, it's going, to be, it's going to be so powerful. He said that the people, they're going to empty out the hospitals and bring people from the hospitals and empty the beds. We're going to be emptied out. They're going to bring them to the churches because of the glory of God that's going to resonate in the churches. He said, I'm, I'm bringing this movement to the church. Not auditoriums. He said, I'm bringing it to the church where people are going to come to the church and they're going to see people getting off their deathbeds. They're going to see people getting off the gurneys and they're going to bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And he said, if people are going to see the glory of God like we've never seen it before. He said, he said, but this is the only time, the only way this is going to happen in a time period is that people have to get serious with God. Yes. Yes. He said, the focus has to be on me, said the Lord. Oh, let me see. He said, if you will focus on me and begin to die to self-cravings and the world cravings and if you'll die to earthly things he said I will rise up in you and I will anoint you and I will cause things to happen that will blow your mind away said the Holy Ghost uh, if you will just look to me and begin to sacrifice yourself to me you will not have to deal with that pain anymore you will have to deal with that sorrow anymore you will have to deal with that lack anymore because I am God and I am Shaddai and I can do anything that I would that you will allow me to do if you would just allow me to the Holy Oh, she cut up uh, My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. So in this movie, see, the only way this is going to happen is that we got to die to ourselves and we got to get back to fasting and praying. And I'm not talking about fasting from a sandwich. I'm not talking about fasting from a piece of chicken. I'm talking about fasting through the cravings of the flesh. Because everybody's fasting, that's an individual thing. And it's amazing to me how churches, you know, we get into January and everybody wants to do a fast. We're going to have the whole church fast for 30 days. And they've been doing this for years and it hasn't changed anything in the church. Let's just be real. But when the Lord lays on your heart that you need to cut this out, Fast can be cutting the TV out for three days or cutting out whatever he wants you to cut out, whatever it seems to be your weakness. Food may be your weakness. He may ask you to sacrifice food for three days or for two days or for 24 hours or just for 12 hours. But whatever the Holy Ghost asks you to do, this is what he said. If you will just obey my voice and do what I ask you to do, he said, I will move in a way that I've never moved in your life before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the way that this is going to happen, the way this is going to change our life, it's called resurrection power. Everybody say resurrection power. Resurrection power. Uh -huh. Resur 
resurrection power. Huh. You know, resurrection power was released way before the New Testament. You remember the soldier that was thrown in the tomb and it fell on Elijah's bones and the rest of the army went on and all of a sudden he hit the bones of Elijah, the residue of the glory of God. It don't take a whole big move of the glory of God. It just takes a residue to get you fired up. It takes All it takes is a residue. Come on, just one little bit of residue from God will change your life forever. They threw that soldier in the tomb of Elijah and he hit his bone. He was dead. He had been, he'd been you know, killed. And, and they just threw him in the tomb. And they went on about that business. And all of a sudden, here comes this soldier running behind him. Wait for me. Wait for me. I've been here with the glory. I touched the glory. Wait for me. Come on, when's the last time somebody come running in the church? Don't start yet. Wait for me. Wait for me. I've got a word from the Lord. I've touched heaven today. I've been in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? Why go to church and leave the same way you came? Why come to church and like, man, I wish this preacher would hurry up and get over. Man, I'm just, I, I need to go. And time is too short to waste your time. But when we come here and we get in the presence of God, things are changing. Yes. <laughs> and that's what this is all about. He says, so in these last days, I'm going to pour out. I don't know about you, but I say, yes, Lord, and let it be me. Yes. Yes. Let it be my, my era. Let it be my time. Huh, come on. I want it to be my time. Matter of fact, I'm telling him it's my time. Come on, you hear what I said? I said, I'm telling you, I'm ready. Yes. Uh, come on, I'm ready. Come on, I, I'm not going, even though last year was a great year for us in our ministry, we grew through our ministry, we had amazing meetings. The last several months have been absolutely phenomenal with the move of God. But I'm not satisfied with the last three months. I'm ready to see what God wants to do these next three months. Amen. Because I believe in these next three months is going to be the greatest quarter. Come on. It's going to launch. Come on. This meeting today is launching and setting a pattern for what God wants to do the rest of the week. And I kept hearing his voice, resurrection power. Resurrection power. I kept hearing the voice of God yesterday, resurrection power. He said resurrection power has got to be released into the body of Christ. And so I came back and I began to write these things down. And in Romans, I went and began to research in Romans chapter 11 and verse 15. And, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, it says it like this. And if you want to, you can just write the scriptures there. And you can go back and pull them up on your phone or your tablet or whatever later. But it says, well, if their temporary rejection, listen to this. For if their temporary rejection released the reconciling power of grace into the world. What would happen when the church is reinstated and reconciled to God? It said it will unleash resurrection power. When the people, when the church turns their face back towards God. We have been so focused on the things of the world. 
We've been so focused these last three years uh, of separating and, and being so concerned uh, about the things in the world, sickness and disease and, and poverty and all this and all the political world and all this garbage that's been going on that it has taken the focus off God. And God says, I need you to focus back on me. Right here, look at me. Because none of those things matter. Do you think one man sitting in a, in a seat behind a desk in a building in, a, in Washington, D.C. is going to change your life, can affect you when you're a child of the living God? No man, no natural man is going to dictate to me what God wants to do for me. Amen. Regardless of who sits behind that. Regardless of how you think. He said, I'm in the church that will begin to turn back to me. He said, I will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. Mm, 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 mm. Everybody say resurrection power. resurrection power. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says this, and this is the King James Version. It says, but if the spirit of him, the spirit of who? The spirit of Christ. Everybody say Christ. Christ. Y'all do know him, right? Yes. I don't want you to know of him. I, I need to know that you know him. Yes. Huh? Come on. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there in this world that know of him but don't really know him. Even though they accept him as Lord and they say that he's their Lord, but they have no relationship. Look, in order to have a relationship, in order just like a marriage, in order to have a marriage, you've got to communicate. Huh? Just because you've got a piece of paper sitting in your filing cabinet or even you framed it and put it on the wall, a marriage certificate, does that mean you have a marriage? You may be legally bound together, but spiritually there's no life. Because there's no communication. And so we, as children of God, in order to build a relationship, we got to communicate. We just don't wait till Sunday mornings or Sunday nights or Wednesday nights to get there and say, Okay, Pastor, give us your best shot. I need you today. Actually, their pastors, when they sit behind that pulpit, they should say, I need you today. Come on. What are you bringing to the table? Huh? You know, each and every one of you have been anointed. And you should be bringing something to the table when we come to church. Whether you should be bringing your praise. You should be bringing your worship. You should be bringing your joy. Just like I was praying earlier when we praying for the, our people on our hands on the left and hands on the right. I'm praying that you will release that when you come to church that you release that which God has given you. Because you may have joy on this side and somebody over here may not be operating in joy and they need what you have to operate in their life. So if you'll release that joy when we're in the service, guess what? Then somebody over here can say, I'll take that. Amen. 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 Come on. Glory to God. It's like me going to the back after the service and I know there's something really special for me back there. And I walk by it and I look at it and if I don't cut me a slice, it ain't going to do me no good. Come on. But that which was made, I can partake of. And once I partake of it, then I get to enjoy it. Come on. It brings joy to my life. It's the same way when we come to church as a body of Christ. When we come together and worship together and praise together, we're releasing these things in us. Instead of sitting there like a knot on the law, you ain't releasing nothing. Because all you're coming for is give me, give me, give me. Come on. You can't operate in resurrection power with the attitude, I need 
always need. I need, I need, I need, I need. How about you release? Because once you release, the Bible says you reap what you sow. Amen. And so the Lord began to deal with me on this resurrection power. So here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, But if that spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ, he being who? The Father. God the Father. He said, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken whose mortal bodies? Everybody point to me. You're you, me, not me, me. Everybody point to yourself. This is you. This is what he's talking about. Amen. So when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He sets up residence in you. Alright? The Holy Spirit comes and He sets up a house, He sets up residence in you. But He can't do anything unless you allow Him to do something. We don't think things, we say things. And so with your mouth, there has to be a sound release. This earth would not be where it's at. We wouldn't even have earth like it is today if Jesus just, if the Father thought, let there be light. Let there be, come on, let there be light. You know what the Bible says? He said, let there be light. Huh? Well, if that's the power, see, this is the power he's talking about. So if this power is actually living in you, if you need healing, and the healer's already inside you. So you're not trying to get healing. Yeah. Huh? You're trying to release healing. And this is where the mind, where the people in the church today, they go into church and they're trying to get something because they, which they already have, because but they don't have an understanding of who Jesus is. Because you, if you don't understand who Jesus is, then you'll never understand who you are. Because your identity is attached to his identity. Glory to God. Huh? Why do you think he would he allowed the soldiers to come and arrest him? Why do you think he allowed them to put the crown of thorns on his head? Why do you think he allowed them to put him on the cross? You don't, you don't think that that was against his will, do you? Because the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels at any moment at any time. And I mean, let's just be honest. One angel would have been playing but the Lord says, I am thou should I to God that is more. Huh? Yes. Uh, uh, come on. Hey, look, just one word from heaven, come on, will change your life. But you got a whole book of it. That's right. Huh? Come on, you got one word to change your life, but you got a whole book. So you, you can use whatever is, is at your is at your fingertips. Literally, you're carrying around. If you've got a cell phone, you literally have the opportunity to carry the word with you everywhere you go. You don't have to be like my daddy. When my daddy first got born again, he didn't have a Bible, so he went into the living room and, and, and dusted off the family living Bible, and he picked it up, and he carried that everywhere he went. He carried the Word. A big old family. How many of you remember a big old family Bible? I, you know, I'm dating myself now, but this new generation has no idea that. But they would, he would carry it. It had the pictures in it, you know, and, and you had all the names of the generations, you know, and happening to birthdays and dates and all that. You had pictures, of, you know, and all this stuff in it. So he had to get all that stuff out of it, and then he carried it. And people thought he was crazy, and he was crazy, but he was crazy for Jesus. Amen. I'll never forget one time, I don't know if I told this story, I may have it. But when my dad first got saved, I mean, he got saved, he was on fire. And so he just took the word because you understand, he knew nothing about God. He knew nothing about Jesus. He knew nothing. 
But then when he got saved, the pastor, the preacher, preacher Durham, he got saved as a Baptist. And the preacher said, this is the word is for you. The Bible's for you. This is for you. So my dad just took it for granted. Well, this is for me. So what? So he began to read. Well, if it's for me and if everything in the Bible is real and true, then that means I can have it. That means I can operate in this. So if the Bible says I have joy, then I can actually operate in joy. If the Bible says I don't have to be depressed, then I really don't have to be depressed. The only reason I'm depressed is because I have allowed myself to depressed or I had allowed somebody else to steal my identity. Yeah, that's right. Huh. Huh. So my dad just began to read it and said, well, wow. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, I was healed. Was being past tense. That means he looked at it and said, that means I'm not trying to get healed. I'm already healed. That's what it says. So he figured that. You understand. He's coming from, there is no religion in him. There's no false teachings in him. There's none of, well, only if you're good can you have this. Uh, only if you do this can you have this. There's no stipulations in the word of God. God says if you're a child of the living God, then you can have this. It's the world, it's mankind that puts stipulations and, and puts requirements on those for the word to work. There's no requirements other than true forgiveness. True repentance. If we walk in true repentance, then this actually will operate in your life 24-7. Ah, glory to God. I say glory to God. This operates 24-7. That means no matter what time it is, for example, 2.30... Uh, day before yesterday, 2.30 in the morning, we had just gotten to Pastor David house Friday night. And, you know, we all went out to eat. And uh, we got back to the house. And, of course, we had drove all the way from Florida. So we were all tired. And so I went to bed. And at 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and there was this stupid nodule that was trying to appear on my throat. And it was, it was my, my gland was swollen. And I woke up and I said, are you kidding me? Seriously, so I, said, I got up at 2.30 in the morning. I said, are you kidding me? Do you not know who I am? I said, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, get your hands off my body. And I applied the blood of Jesus over it. I went back to bed and I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning. One of the best night's sleep I've had in a while. I woke up. Do you think that nodule was there? Do you think there was any inclination that a nodule was even there? No. And then because I'm a preacher. Oh, come on. Let's just get that straight. It had nothing mean to do just because I'm a preacher. No, it had everything to do with I know who my Savior is. I know who my Redeemer is. I know because His identity. I understand His identity. Therefore, I understand my identity. If it can't touch Jesus, then why is it touching me? Oh, come on, somebody. See, this is resurrection power. When you operate in this resurrection power, then you can actually have a good day. You can actually have a good week. You can actually have a good month. My God, when's the last time you had a good month? Huh? Now, we know what James says, count all joy when you fall into divers temptations, test it out. We understand the attacks come. I just got attacked. But I laugh at it never, ha, ha. I said, are you kidding me? I honestly, I have told him, I said, one time I said, this is several weeks ago, I said, are you retarded? <laughs> I told my wife that over one. I, I, told, I said, 
You know what he tried to do to me? I, I got up there and I woke up. I said, are you retarded? Have I not whooped you? Had not Jesus already bruised your head? Had he already? Why are you trying to bring some? Why are you trying to go back to the graveyard, dig something up? Because I can smell it when it's coming. Uh, come on, I, I can smell it. Come on, you can smell the devil. Come on, you can smell when sickness is trying to come on you. Come on, you can smell when hurt tries to come on you. You can smell when pain is trying to come on. You can come on. You can sense it. Don't look at me like that. You know. Have you lost your cotton-picking mind? I said, uh-uh. I said, we ain't even going there. I, ain't, I am not taking and wasting my time with you. And I just rebuked him, and I just went on back to sleep. Huh? Because I'm not going to let him look. I, I need all the sleep I can get. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because we go 24-7. We're always on the road. We're always going. All right? And so, and he's going to try to mess up my sleep. Uh-uh, that ain't happening. I need my sleep. And he wants to try at 2.30 in the morning and try to mess with me. And I was in a good sleep, too. You know, he don't mess with me when I'm restless at night. You know, when, I got, when, I, when, I, when I'm meditating on the Word and, and God's downloading to me. He don't mess with me then. He wants to mess with me when I'm in my silent, quiet, peaceful moment. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he wants to show up and try to mess that up. Huh? So I got to go back to what the Word says. That's right. See, I'm not speaking from my voice, you understand. I'm not speaking from my words. I'm speaking from His voice and His words. Right. Just like when Jesus, when He came out of the, uh, uh, of the desert and fasted for 40 days and spending time with the Father and re recreating the relationship with the Father. Uh, come on now. He spoke to Him in 30 years. I think they have a lot to say. Let me try to start over here. Huh? I said, Jesus, and you, and you understand, before he got back to that, he, he wasn't allowed to speak to God because if he spoke to God, then Satan would have known who he was. And if Satan knew who he was, then he would try to kill him. Mm. So for 30 years, he could communicate. Because you understand, when Jesus and the Father communicate, there's power. Yes. Huh? Uh, come on. There's no doubt. You think the nuclear power plant's got power? There's no doubt when Jesus was on this earth and he was talking to the Father, there won't electricity flowing. And you understand, he came up in an area there was no electricity, but when Jesus spoke, there was electricity. Oh, come on, somebody. Glory to God. So if that same power that Jesus, when he was speaking to the Father, do you realize that when you start talking to the Father, that same power, that same electricity come, comes up out of you and it reaches heaven, then everybody, they should know. Because when I walk into a Walmart, I walk into a store, they know there's something different about me. Uh, come on, they know there's something different about me because I am wherever I am, I am who I am. I was in Walmart just a... Uh, uh, I guess it's been two months ago. I was in North Carolina, and it was a couple months ago. And uh, and I'm, I'm in standing in line. I'm just standing in line, and there's some people that came up behind me, and they just started talking. This is not the first time this has happened. This has happened you know, several times throughout the years, and they just started just cussing. And all of a sudden, I didn't tell my wife that. I, I just started saying, "Let's talk about Jesus." <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. I said, Father, I just love you and I thank you and I just want to talk about you right now. I turned and it got mighty quiet. I turned and they were gone. 
I don't know what line they went to. I really wanted to see where they went because I was I was wanting to tempt it to go stand behind them. <laughs> but I couldn't find them. Come on, when you start, come on, when you start realizing who you are as a child of living God, it look, the devil has to go. Yes. You understand? I don't care what your past is like, I don't care what's happened in your life. You are a child of God. If you're a child of God, then old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And there's a resurrection power that settles inside of you that causes you to create an electricity in you that will move things and change things in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. I'm looking for change. You understand? I haven't arrived yet. That's why I keep pushing the envelope. Because I know there's so much more. Come on now. I, I haven't walked on water yet. Jesus walked on water. And Jesus said that we would do greater things than what he did when he walked on this earth. I haven't walked on water yet. I, I want to see walking on water. Yes. I have tried it. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> I began to sink. But it don't stop me from trying. Huh? Oh. That's a message in itself. Just because you sink one time, I mean you can't get up out of the pool and go again. Huh? What's the worst thing that happened? You get wet. Huh? I mean, think about this. What's the alternative? What's the alternative of not operating in the fullness of God? Letting Satan have his way with you. Let's just be real. The alternative is letting Satan have his way with you. So why not just go all in? Why not just, why go sometimes I'm in and then sometimes I'm out? Sometimes I'm going to do this and sometimes I'm not. And every time you're not, you understand. Satan's going to show up. He knows. He's waiting for you to say, I'm not going to do this today. And then he's right there. That's all right. I'll take you. Because one way or another, there's going to be a voice speaking to you. But if you fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost, there's no room for His voice. That's right. That's right. And that's how you begin to walk in resurrection power. Glory to God. So here in verse 1, chapter 8, verse 11, so, But if that Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, then He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that is what? That dwells in you. I love what the Message Bible says like this, verse 9 through 11. It says, But if God, if I say, If God. If God. If God himself has taken up residence in you, all right? If God has taken up residence in you, thank you, Holy Ghost, I will do that. All right, Tiffany, Anna, Leah, come here. All right, y'all stand up there. All three of y'all stand up there. I'm just going to use this analogy. Thank you, Holy Ghost. All right, the tallest to the next to the next. All right, let's go that way. Okay? Anna, you're God. Jesus, Holy Spirit. Okay? All right? All right, so we got God, we got Jesus, and we got the Holy Spirit. All right? So when this is what the scriptures, this is what the scriptures talking about. It says, but God himself has taken up residence in your, your life. He says, you can, hardly, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. So when you fully, in other words, what he's saying is when you really begin to take on the identity of God. In any situation, you're not going to respond from your flesh. You're going to respond from your spirit. Because you've heard me say this many times before. Your first response will always determine what happens next in your life. Yes. 
So if you're, if you're responding from the spirit man, come on, who you true, your true identity, then guess what? You reap the spirit realm. But if you respond from the flesh realm, come on, then you're going to reap from the flesh side. And the flesh side is the enemy side. So watch this. So this is you. I'm going to be all of you before you were saved. Okay? So before you're saved, you are by yourself. You are on your own. So therefore, you're not covered. You're wide open, and you're a target for the enemy. Come on. And so Satan is having his heyday with you. And so, I mean, sin is taking rampant over your life. And, and you don't have no joy. You don't have no peace. You don't have, you're constantly battling and your sickness in your body. Whatever your grandparents have, you got. Come on. Because of DNA called generation curses is what it's called. And they, matter of fact, the doctors only ask you, do you have any heart issues in your family? Well, yes. Well, there's a good possibility you're going to have heart issues. Well, I, I started thinking about this thing. Well, if I'm born again and I'm in the family of God, therefore I'm, I don't have to operate from the old DNA. Huh? I'm a new creature. Huh? You understand? I'm a new creature. So my family history, my natural family history has no deterrence on me. Come on. Has no, in other words, it don't predict my future. But what does predict my future is my heavenly father's DNA. Oh, come on, somebody. See, this is where resurrect. This is how you're going to get resurrection power. I'm not going to finish this today. We'll continue on until it goes somewhere else. So watch this. So all of a sudden, you realize one day you need Jesus. All right? Now, you're not quitting smoking. You're not quitting drinking. You're not quitting running around. You're not quitting nothing, really. Let's just be honest. You ain't quitting nothing. But yet, you know you need Jesus. All right? So you ask Jesus to come into your life. Does Jesus show up? Or does he tell you, once you quit smoking, once you quit drinking, once you quit cussing, once you quit this and this and this, then I'm going to come in. Does he say that? Huh? No, because this is what happens. The moment that you ask Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says, if you'll confess with your mouth and, and what? Believe. With, with what? Your head? Your heart. Why doesn't it say your head? Because your head is what's going to get you in trouble. Your head is what gets you in trouble all the time. Even as a child of God, your head still gets you in trouble. Because you're trying to think how things are going to happen. You're going to try to think how you're going to get your healing. You're trying to think how God's going to work this out. You're trying to think how you're going to get in this situation. Instead of knowing, I'm going to get out of this. Knowing I'm here. Why? Because I'm a child of living God. If Jesus ain't sick, then I don't have to be sick. If Jesus ain't poor, then I don't have to be poor. If Jesus is not depressed, then I don't have to be depressed. So what would be Jesus' response when the devil shows up? The same response that happened in the garden. All of a sudden, you understand in that battle in the garden, all of a sudden Jesus rose up and said, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Because it got to the point, the pressure got to the point that he began to sweat blood. So that actually that tells me that the devil was actually getting to him. And all of a sudden, the identity of who he really is, all of a sudden he awakened. Wait a minute. I'm Jesus. Wait a minute. I'm Pastor David Phelps. Wait a minute, I am Diane. This Diane ain't like that old Diane. Huh? 
Uh, come on, this diet is a new diet. You may have got the vision of me last time, but that, that was your old diet. The new diet is that I'm going to know who I am, my true identity. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to bruise your head, and I'm going to put you underneath my feet where you belong. Why? Because that day, uh, back in 1969, in Great Free Will Baptist Church on Dunbarton Avenue in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, I came to the altar just like this, and I bowed my knees before God, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And the moment that I asked Jesus to come into my life, all of a sudden something changed. Come on, surround me in a circle. All of a sudden, I'm not by myself. Come on, give me a circle. There you go. I am surrounded. Come on, face. I need to see your faces. Jesus, God, Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, now, Satan don't see me no more. Why? Because everywhere I go, uh, you see who's with me. He don't see me no more. Then why do I act like they're not with me anymore? Because I know that they're with me. The resurrection power is with me. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost has already done everything that needed to be done 2,000 years ago. And because of that moment... My God, I said, because of that moment, I don't have to be that way no more. You can do whatever you need to do. We'll get back to that later. Because of that, you understand, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when the Satan looks at me, he can't see me no more. That's when he showed up at 2.30 the other morning. He was trying to penetrate, but he cannot penetrate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, somebody, give God a celebration. Hallelujah. Say, new levels. And so he says here, but if God himself has taken a residence in your life, you have been surrounded. You can hardly be thinking of more of yourself than more of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed. Now watch this. Anyone who has not welcomed <coughs> this invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ won't know what you're talking about. What it's saying is, if you don't realize who you are as a child of the living God, even though you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're not operating from the God side, you are choosing to operate from the flesh side, God does not respond to that side. And that's why we see so many Christians struggling. Don't mean they're not going to go to heaven, they're just going to struggle getting there. And there's going to be a whole lot of disappointed Christians when they get to heaven when they could have found out what it could have been like. Because God says you can have heaven right here on earth. Because we are living in the kingdom. This is called kingdom living. Everybody say kingdom living. I want that kingdom living. I don't want to have to wait to heaven to enjoy the goodness of God. He created me. To enjoy the goodness of God. Come on. And so it says here, but for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all limitations of sin, even though you may be going through things. This is what it's telling you. Watch this. This is what scripture says. Even though you may be battling in some areas of your life. He says, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if you, if the live and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. 
bringing you alive again to himself. See, you understand, this is not a one-time experience. Yes. Come on. I'm going to let everybody put your hand in your head like this. I'm going to mess with your head now. So if you got a religious bone in your body, it's going to really hurt you. I'm just sorry, just to let you know from so hey, you put your hand down. The salvation experience was never intended to be a one-time event. That's right. That's right. I remember at five years old of the day I got born again on a Sunday night. I remember going home that night. And me and my brother, we had bunk beds. He slept on the bottom, I slept on the top because I never would sleep on the bottom because I didn't trust him and, that, and he may jump up and down that thing come crashing on me. So I said, I am never going to sleep on the bottom. You will sleep on the bottom. I'm the oldest, of, therefore I get to choose. I'm sleeping on top. If you don't like it, then I will knock you out. <laughs> so anyway, I remember that same night I'm in on the top bunk and it's three o'clock in the morning. Now you have to understand because what happened that night at three o'clock in the morning set precedence. And my wife, I tell you, there have been many, many events in my life that when the Lord begins to speak to me, he always wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning. When I was in India, Years ago, before I left pastoring, it was 3 o'clock in the morning that Jesus came into my room and I had a face-to-face -face experience with him. And he sat on the end of my bed. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. It was 3 o'clock in the morning in my house when we were in our bedroom. The Lord woke me up, took me out of my bedroom and put me in the office and said, you're about to have a change. That what I told you is real, so get yourself ready. And I could go on and on. This always seems to be at three o'clock in the morning. And I, you know, and so it all established the day that I chose to serve him. And I didn't know a whole lot at five years old. No five-year-old knows a lot. But what I did know, that I wasn't going to hell no more. Yeah. And I did know that somebody loved me regardless of what was going to happen. I knew somebody loved me now. And somebody loved me unconditionally that I didn't have to sit there and prove myself. Come on. I didn't have to prove myself. And so at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting on a bunk bed. I'm laying in my bunk, and I'm asleep. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in my room. And I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. I just know it was the Holy Spirit because of what I know now. And I just thought it was Jesus, but it was the Holy Spirit. He woke me up, and he began to show me things. And I didn't understand everything, but the thing he showed me, first and foremost, and had me experience, was the glory. So for the first time in my life, at five years old, I'm a Baptist boy. I know nothing about tongues. I know nothing about the Holy Spirit. I know nothing about the move of God. All I know is that Jesus loved me. But at that moment, at five years old, God set precedence in my life that it's going to be a whole lot more to life than what you have right now. Yeah. 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 There's a whole lot more. You've got to understand, there's so much more to the life of God. To the life of Christ that he wants you to experience. He wants to take you to new levels and new dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so at five years old, I'm in that bunk bed and the presence of God comes and, and it comes in that room and fills the room and all of a sudden I'm woken up at three o'clock in the morning and tears streaming down my face. I cannot explain it. I wasn't hurting. I wasn't in pain. I just It was actually this overwhelming peace that came upon me and this presence and, and I began to shake uncontrollably. But it wasn't a fear because the presence of God was there. And I remember just like it was yesterday. That was my salvation experience. My first. And ever since then I've had many salvation experiences. Because you understand salvation experiences is where God comes in and says I take you and receive you just as you are. Every day. Every day. I have that salvation experience to where I will not do anything before I get before the Father and have this encounter with Him. Pastor David, let me tell you, I'm very set in my ways. And it's not because I'm OCD, which I am OCD, but not because of that. It's because I had a, a, an agenda that God gave me and I had an order that God gave me that this is what he expected of me. And if I will do this, he's going to do that. And because of that, we get to experience resurrection power. We travel all over the United States. Small churches, medium churches, large churches. It don't matter where we go. We trust God. Yeah. We trust God. And we believe that wherever we go is a divine appointment. We just don't come here just because this is a set date. It's a set date, but that's not the reason why we come. It's because the Holy Ghost set this date. Because you guys, get, we, we jumpstart our uh, 2023 tour right here at Crestwell, North Carolina. So that tells me there's something special. And I know she tells you that all the time, but there's something special about Pastor David Church of God. And there's something special about you. May God will set this moment in time to jumpstart your year, to set your course, because what you experienced this week will set the rest of your year that you'll be able to go back to this year and experience it over and over again. You'll go back to this week and when, you're, when we're gone and next week and the next week and the next week, you have the opportunity to go back to that moment, put yourself in remembrance of that moment and experience it over and over again because fresh fire is not a one-time experience. It's a lifestyle. Because of this right here. This ever alive and present God. Who raised Jesus from the dead. He moved into my life. Just as he has moved into your life. And he said I'll do the same thing for you. That I did for Jesus. I'll bring your life to myself again. Again. Everybody say again. again. And again. And again. And again. That's called grace. And it's called mercy. And this doesn't give us a license to sin. Because if you're a true child of the living God, you're not going to want to sin. 
I said, if you're a true child of the living God, you're not going to want to sin. You're not going to sit there and plan, oh, I'm going to do this and plan my sin out today. Then you're really not saved. You need to go back and get born again. Mm. But this gives us a license to go to the very throne room of God as if sin never existed. And it's called righteousness. It says, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, he says, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you are going through right now, right now, no matter what you're going through right now, it doesn't have to stay this way. It don't have to be this way. At any moment, at any time, you don't need me preaching to you. You don't even need me praying, which we do believe in prayer. We do believe laying on our hands and releasing that, that resurrection power. And it doesn't matter where, where you're at spiritually, God can restore you. And that which the devil has stolen, God will give it back to you many times over. Now, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about whatever you need. Look, there's healthy people out there, but they're depressed. They may not be in the hospital because they got a cold or they got COVID or they got pain in their body, but they're, they're, they're totally shut down because of their mind. You don't know. You have no idea what the person that you know living next door to you or even sitting beside you sometimes in church, what they're battling. All you need to know is that when you come here, you're bringing something to release. In the turn of the century in the Zuzu Street Revival with William Seymour, the revival really wasn't about William Seymour. The revival was about the glory of God. Because you see, it's just like when I used to travel, I did three years of certain meetings with being again. And I would help set up the crusades and I, I, I would take care of the prayer room and, and the ministers that would come in. And when I was in those meetings with him, and I would sit right on stage with him. I would sit right beside him. And one thing that I noticed, that the healings took place before he ever came out. 90% of all healings took place before Benny Hinn ever stepped on stage. You know why? Because people's faith was so electrified that when they walked into these auditoriums, people started praying for one another. It was just like the Zuzu Street Revival. Matter of fact, they said the most anointed ones were the young people. Because they didn't have, they, they weren't afraid to come to you and say, do you need something? Are you in hurting? Are you in pain? I'll never forget one of my favorite stories is when this man walked into the meeting, club foot, had his foot that was turned all the way around the other way. He had his brace on his leg. And he walks into the church. He walks into the Zuzu uh, church. And a teenager, a little 13-year-old girl, came up to him and said, Sir, do you, do you want me to pray for you? He said, No, I'm okay. That she could have turned around and walked away. But she said, so you want to be that way for the rest of your life? 
He said, well, no, I don't want to be this way. She says, well, then would you let me pray with you? He says, well, okay. She called a couple of her friends, and they came over, just young teenagers, came over, and they began to pray. And as they're praying, all of a sudden, now you understand the glory of God is already in this place. They said it was so thick at times that the kids would run around and play in it. That's how thick the glory cloud was. Can you imagine? Now, I've been in services where you can see it, but it wasn't that thick. But I've seen the glory, and I've seen some mighty and wild things happen when the glory rolled in. Where people just begin to get set free and healing took place. Nobody laid hands on them. Matter of fact, the times that I saw this was back in the 70s, we didn't even know anything about catchers. You just, if you got went out, you went out. It was on your own. You better be God. But all of a sudden, as they're praying, they heard the snap <coughs> and the cracker. The brakes begin to break loose that was on his leg. The straps that was on his leg broke loose because the force of his leg, when the Holy Ghost grabbed his leg, the force of the, the power of the Holy Ghost, the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost grabbed his leg and began to snap it back in place. Not only I believe they did, they heard the brakes snapping, but I believe it's the bones snapping and correcting themselves. I remember a Shambok meeting where that happened. If not now, then when? Smith Wigglesworth prophesied, and the word came to him and said, This will happen. Let, you can mark it down, it's going to happen. You've got to choose whether you're going to see it or not. Whether you're going to experience it or not. Whether you're going to be a part of this great move, this resurrection power move of God that's about to be released on this earth. And the Lord's already told me 2023 is going to be the year you'll begin to see. But it's only going to happen. Matter of fact, I'll read this to you. The Lord came to this prophecy back in Fort Walton Beach. It says in 2023 will be the year the church breaks free. Breaks free. For my glory shall come upon thee, and you will begin to see what a mighty and awesome God I really can be. All I want from you is all of thee, and in me you will see that I truly am El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough that lives in thee. And it shall come to pass that from the beginning, that in the beginning of every vision and every dream will begin to sprout forth out of that of your seed. From the end to the beginning, to the beginning, to the end, you will see that I am the God that liveth in thee. So get yourself ready to see the miraculous and the extraordinary that will spring forth out of me into thee. Now this will only be for those who are hungry and thirsty for holiness and righteousness and wanting to become so close to me. For I am, for the I am will move in a way that this generation has never seen. But get ready, get ready, get ready. The world is about to see that the God that I really am will flow out of me and into thee. So be free in 2023. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Give God a shout of praise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I said, come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.